All right, everyone. Welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Pastalka, and I am excited for our guest today. I've got Joe Sullivan with Gorilla76. Hey, Joe, welcome. Damon, thanks for having me. This is going to be fun today, Joe, because I think it's it's goes without saying when people know you, seeing you around, what you're doing in manufacturing and the marketing there. Uh, it's an interesting space, I think. I think it's a it's a space that so many people uh, are really trying to figure out their way. And I think it's going to be fun for us to talk about it today. So let's start about talking about with you. Excuse me, I can't mm -hmm. talk. I'm so excited. I'm just stumbling over words. I can't talk. Let's talk about your background. Let's kind of talk about that a little bit and, and how you really kind of got where you're at today. Yeah, sure. So um, my, you know, my background, well, I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm an agency, a marketing agency owner, my company, Gorilla76. We've been in business for, oh, about 15, coming up on 16 years this summer. Um, and, you know, my, my business partner, John, and I founded the agency, you know, it was, geez, I graduated college in, in 05, undergrad, started the yeah. agency in, in 06. It's kind of a nights and, and weekends gig. Um, took a couple of years before we were able to quit our jobs and, and take this thing full time after, you know, we were working in, in marketing agencies um, simultaneously to kind of start this, this thing up. But you know, my, my background has really been in, you know, I, I kind of, I was an art kid growing up. I, you know, like I went to school for graphic design and kind of figured out that I wanted to be able to apply that in setting yeah. where I could actually make a career and, and went, you know, went into marketing um, as a result. So, so really that's, that's kind of my, my background. You know, the first agency I worked in was more focused on consumer products. Like I worked on Miller beer. I worked on a pharmacy brand. Um, I was kind of bored, frankly. And, and we, in, in our work early on, we started, we are some of our first clients with gorilla were construction companies. And we, you know, we thought of yeah. our audience as like blue collar brands early on people who made stuff with their hands. And that was kind of our foray into manufacturing, which is really kind of where we, we found our home and, probably 10, 11 years ago, where we kind of looked around our client base and said, you know, our, our best customers are mid-sized B2B manufacturers, and we're just going to go own this. And, and everything's kind of snowballed since then. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. So it's probably a lot different when you think back and look at how you would approach a Miller beer type uh, advertising uh, effort compared to what you're doing with manufacturers today. Oh yeah. I mean, night and day it's, it's, yeah. uh, you, they can't even kind of put them on the same page, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. So when you're looking at the, the manufacturing sector where you're working in these, in the B2B mid-sized manufacturers, mm -hmm. what really do you think is the biggest challenge that you see with their marketing today? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the biggest challenge is this, this common thread I see across a lot of manufacturing organizations. And it's that, they're not marketing driven organizations. They're sales driven organizations. And, and to them, marketing means we go to trade shows. Maybe we run some print ads. Maybe we do a little pay-per-click. We've got somebody who makes the website look nice and updates SKUs on, in our product catalog. And, um, and it's a, a big expense on the P&L ultimately. And so um, I think that probably the biggest hurdle for us and, and we were honestly warned against the against working with manufacturers along the way by some agency advisors. They said, I've yeah. seen companies go down this route and 
Um, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity there, but but manufacturers tend to be, you know, this is not meant to be an insult, but they're unsophisticated as marketers, like because yeah. they're sales driven organizations and yeah. they're, they're, you know, what they think of as marketing is just different. And so it's, it's, there's an education curve there. I honestly, it was a lot harder five to 10 years ago than it is now. I've seen a lot of companies coming around and mm-hmm. you're seeing people realize like we need to be visible online. We need to be, you know, expert we need to be portrayed as experts in our space. Um, we can't just rely on referrals and repeat business to, to grow. And so I'm seeing a lot more companies start to take it seriously, but it's still an uphill battle and, and it's hard to help. It's hard to get manufacturers to think of marketing as a revenue engine for the company as opposed to just a sort of a necessary evil. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a great point though, because manufacturers for decades before us mm-hmm. and, and many decades before us, Boots on were boots on the ground sales organizations. That's yeah. why they did it. And as and, and we really, if you think about it, the millennials coming into the workforce as leaders in these organizations now, decision makers and things like that, we really haven't had that kind of a buyer uh, process shift compared to previous generations. Mm-hmm. And I think this this is one of the things where the marketing comes into play a lot more often than a lot more prevalently now than it did before. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think part of it is you have a, a more tech savvy generation who's come up with, you know, Google and, you know, Facebook and Instagram and, you know, social media. And, and so it's, it's just, a, a you know, a, a more tech savvy generation. Uh, you know, group of people entering the workforce. And I think, and, and then you pair that with just um, the accessibility of technology and the way inform- publishing information online. Data. Yeah. and, and Yeah, all- finding data. It's just, if you yeah. grew up in Google, they can, you know, if you grew up with it from the time you're in grade school or middle school, being able to find the data you want that carries on into your professional career and your decision-making process to buy even very expensive items. And I think that's, that shift is, is much different than it's ever has been because look at the generation, my generation, generation before me, generation before that. Yeah. There were changes and it went from maybe print to more, there was radio and television, other things like that, Mm -hmm. but it never has been as much as it is, is, and continues to develop into I, the buyer can find the information I want without talking to a salesperson. That's exactly right. It's it, the, it is a complete power shift in terms of, you know, the, the buyer is now kind of in charge. Like they yeah. don't, yeah, they don't need that conversation to start the process. And I'm mm-hmm. not, and I, and believe me, I am, an, I am all about in-person conversation and human interaction mm-hmm. playing a role. But the reality is, uh, in in a majority of buying situations now, that process is starting before it's out of your hands. The beginning of that process is out of your hands. And that's, that's, yes. the, that's the place where marketing needs to, uh, needs to play the biggest role is, is when you think about, especially when you have, you know, if you're a company that's selling CapEx equipment or even any kind of product that has a, a you know, some complexities to it, it's not just a commodity. Um, you know, people are out there looking for information. They're comparing options. They're trying to understand ROI. They're trying to understand total cost of ownership and, you know, if you're not visible, they're looking at somebody else. That's just the reality. So if you want to have that sales conversation, 
it needs to start with marketing in a, in a digital setting and you need to earn the right to that sales conversation. Yes. Yes. I, I think you said it well there too. It's you need to earn that right to that conversation because that buyer is con, is in control from finding that data, moving down that, that buying process much farther before any conversation will be had with, with any supplier. Sure. And if you're not part of that conversation in the beginning, you're not there at the end. That's right. Yeah. So have you seen in, in the, the recent years, have you seen some companies kind of come out of the woodwork that were, that really, uh, that were doing good marketing quite honestly, pass some other people up? Oh yeah. I mean, um, it, it's, it's absolutely happening. I mean, it's, you know, I'm, without promoting my business, it's, uh, you know, that's kind of what we're, we're helping our clients yeah. do, but, yeah. um, but you know, it's, it's the companies who, are you know they're recognizing what what we just talked about it, which is that th there's this shift right and so it's it's okay well who are those people who we're trying to reach for for a lot of companies we consult it's they're trying to reach some kind of engineer or technical professional yeah. who is yeah. experiencing some problem or maybe it's a plant manager or a maintenance person like somebody who has an issue on the job floor or you know in in their role that they're trying to solve or there's some objective they're trying to achieve. And so, you know, the way you win is you dial in on who are those buying process influencers, what matters to them that overlaps with your expertise. And then you figure out how, you know, how can we be the educator here? How can we, how can we create assets and messaging that will actually be helpful and relevant to them and get it in front of them where they already consume information online so we can earn attention and trust. And so it's the companies that are doing this that that are winning because in the meantime, everybody in a, in a more of a traditional approach is out there, you know, just knocking on doors. And I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't be doing that, but they're, you know, you're, they're kind of approaching their whole audience as if they're in buying mode and, and they're treating everybody the same. They're blasting sales messaging out yeah. there and it's not helpful, right? Yes, yes. That's this is awesome. And I just want to say hello to Gail. Thanks for stopping by today. Gail Robertson. She works with injection molding companies and, and helps them. And, and she's up in Windsor, Canada. But that's a an industry where I came out of, quite honestly. And that that's one of those that it's it's as you're talking, you know, it's it's a little different than the the and we'll talk about this a little later, like a big dollar product. It's more like a big dollar customer. Uh, when you look at those kind of, it's a, it's a different deal, but you're sure. exactly right. And I, I think about the, the manufacturers that don't understand how marketing is, is kind of like a, a tool in the toolbox to help you at various stages throughout the sales process. Like you mm -hmm. said, at the beginning, it could be just awareness. It could be, oh, this is our company. These are the kind of things we do, or it moves down the line a little, it could be more specific problems that you're educating someone on and then how your, your products or services, you know, solve those problems. But I also think too, the traditional I'm on, the, I'm on the road, I'm selling they don't consider how this all works together because man, what I found with, with content and marketing materials that is so nice as, as a, a salesperson second in part of my, my normal day is that I have all this, when people have questions, 
it's not like I have to, well, this is what you, you go. Well, look at this video of, of me talking to somebody or this video. I know that we did with this subject matter expert and they were explaining this and blah, 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 blah. This, this content just gives you this arsenal of information where you can solve problems. And then even if you don't have the right solution, you might be able to get them to somebody else that does if you're not the right source because of the, the marketing work you do. It's just, it, uh, the traditional salespeople, I think, that have embraced marketing are stronger salespeople for it. Oh, I 100% agree. I, I love a lot of what you're talking about there. And, and you think of like, you, you, you get out of a sales conversation and if you can say, you know, think of that as your, as your follow-up strategy. Like, you know, yeah. had great, great call yesterday or earlier today. I was thinking about something we talked about. Here's an article that one of our engineers published on, that goes deep on that topic, and that or this video, even better, is this video. And now, and now, what it's doing is one, it's showing them you're thinking of them, not just trying to sell them something. You're creating mm -hmm. some value for them by sending that along. You're putting a spotlight on somebody in your organization who is a deep expert, as opposed to you who's just sell this in maybe yeah. a sales role. Yeah. And and um. And, and in addition to that, it gives you a reason to be able to follow up with something more, you know, a week later. Hey, just checking in on, on that proposal we sent or whatever. Like how many of those emails have you sent in your career, right? I've sent a yeah. lot of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can pair that with, curious if you guys have, have thought any more about this. By the way, thinking back to our conversation, we, we have a couple case studies that are pretty similar to the scenario you described here. I just wanted to drop links to those in. And now it's, it becomes a nurturing process, not just a you know, kind of this hard sell and being that yeah. annoying, you know, checking in all the time. Right? Yeah. You're ready to buy now. You're ready to buy now. Yeah, Instead of exactly. ready to buy now question, you're going, Hey, here's some more information that might, might help you uh, no matter who, who you decide to do or right. how you decide to solve your problem. I just think that seeing it, seeing it change in the way that you can use it now is, is so exciting because it gives, it just gives you these extra differentiators and sets you up as a salesperson. Whereas years ago, you used to have to be, you had to be more of a knowledge expert if you didn't have marketing materials or, you know, a flyer really didn't do you any good. But now with all the, the resources you have available, like you said, your engineers could be doing videos. You could have other technical videos or, or solution type video or, or blogs or whatever that does it, but you can be the source of information. That's right. Think, and I, that, I like the, Think of yourself as a media company. You're, you're, you should be a resource yeah. producing the best content possible for your niche audience. Who are the people you're trying to reach and how can you be the most helpful resource out there for them? I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. You're a media, you're a media company and you're the best resource for your niche audience. That's awesome. I mean, that's because exactly what we try to be in the industrial marketing space. Like you go to our learning center and it is just filled with video content and written content, long and short form. We have, you know, nice. 90 some podcast episodes, but it is just, there is no sales material in there. It is purely educational. Some of it's tactical for marketing people. Some of it's more for CEOs and, and people who are thinking more about like overarching strategy, but it's, yeah. it, you, you got to do the same thing for yourself, for your audience, be their best yeah. resource. Yeah. That's audience. That, that's great because that's, it's, it's about teaching people because then they can make an informed decision because you, I'm sure 
it's with me, I'd rather someone make an informed decision and pick me or make an informed decision and go someplace else. If I'm not the right fit, then pick me in air. Exactly. I mean, that's that you're, you're right on with that. I mean, how many, how many, how many bad sales calls have you taken in your life where you've, you oh. know, the, the wrong person, you know, it, it can be a qualifier for you too. It can raise the bar in terms of, you know, the, the standard of work you do or the, you know, the level of, of customer you we want to be working with. So I think there's some yeah. valid to that too. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's good. So the, the, one of the things that I was wondering as you, as you're going along, you talked about it a couple of times. I'm looking over some notes here that I wrote before this. So what, what's one thing that's surprising you in, in manufacturing marketing right now that you're going, man, I would have never thought. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, that's a good question. I think I'm starting to see more in the podcasting world, which is interesting to me. Um, uh -huh. I, you know, when I launched our podcast a couple of years ago, I, I wasn't quite sure how people would respond to it. There weren't a lot of manufacturing podcasts out there. Um, and certainly not many that had kind of a marketing tilt to them, but they've, I've seen a lot more popping up. I see people. Mm -hmm. And I think honestly, some of this is product of the pandemic. It's some of these multimedia channels or what you're doing here, um, Damon, with you know a video based live streaming platform. Like I, I've been a little surprised at how much traction kind of some of these multimedia platforms have gained inside of manufacturing over the last yeah. few years. So yeah, um, that, that may be one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I see, like you said, there's a lot of podcasts that you see springing up. And I think there's there's some that that come and go and there's some that are actually pretty good that are mm -hmm. that you're seeing around mm -hmm. a lot more around it. So um, got a couple other people stop by Chris Young. I, I know it's him because thanks, Gail, for commenting and let me know that. But and Gail talked about educational in, info. She's big on that, does a great job with with her work as well. Yeah. So as as you're going along with with this and you're talking about your manufacturing with clients one of the things you said that i that i it comes up in my mind a lot how much of your time is is teaching executives in manufacturing enough about marketing mm. so they can make an informed decision yeah it's it's a good question you know i think as i kind of mentioned you you know you five ten years ago i think it it was there there was a lot more of that happening like talking about, you know, being visible online and publishing your insights. And we'd get pushback on that. Like, well, we're not going to yeah. give away our secret sauce. Our competitors are going to see that, right? I remember writing a blog post a few years back, like <laughs> called, I'm afraid my competitors are going to see it, right? And I mean, you know, well, you, you, you kind of have a couple choices here. It's you cannot publish anything because you're afraid your competitors are going to see it. Yeah. We're going to publish something and all and and the right people are going to see it and so are your competitors so which one would you rather have you know so i think um you know i i think that's one thing um i'm kind of losing my train of thought here i forgot what you even asked me well about <laughs> you know i mean how much time is really spent just can educating, can, can the, educating yeah. executives so they can make a yeah. decision because i think sitting in the edge in the uh, executive seat like i had done before i put myself in that spot when i, I look at marketing and i go my biggest question would be am I really spending the money the right way? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, you, you're right. And, and I think, you know, I, I think I'm, I have a newsletter going out tomorrow morning that touches on this exact topic. Nice. I think a lot of manufacturing leaders who have not 
have not really done marketing seriously, which is probably most of them. Um, yeah. They don't really know the difference between what marketing and sales should do. You know, if, if their perception of marketing is, you know, it's either like what I described earlier, it's, it's trade shows, it's print ads, it's maybe yep. some pay-per-click, it's making the website look nice, et cetera. Or if, if they are in making an investment in marketing as, as a, a growth vehicle for the company, their expectation is that marketing's job is going to be generating opportunities that close as, as fast as, you know, if you're doing kind of the same thing that sales is out there knocking on doors and cold calling people. And, and it's like, no, that's, that's sales. Marketing's job is to, first of all, figure out who or what, what things the right people from the right companies that you want to reach care about. It's figuring out where can we target them? Where do they consume information where we can actually reach them and deliver messaging? It's testing that messaging to make sure it actually resonates before you build a whole marketing strategy around it. It's developing content for those people. It's figuring out how we're going to get that content in front of people, whether that means through you know SEO, through some kind of paid distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's building awareness. It's, it's capturing demand. I'll get into this in a second maybe, but it's, it's capturing demand where it already exists. People who are out there looking for a solution, but then it's creating demand among the rest of your audience so that, you're building attention and you're earning trust. So when people enter a buy cycle, you're the first one they think of. And, and I think that that's kind of one of the biggest mistakes I think a lot of companies make is they say, we're putting all our eggs in, in the basket of like pushing this, this bottom of funnel messaging at people as if they all have a need and they all need what we're selling right yeah. now. Yeah. But the reality is probably for most of you, one to three percent of your total addressable market is actually in buying mode today or even this week. I mean, think about that for a second. How many of the people you're trying to reach are probably actually in Google right now or calling on the referral network because they need to buy something right now? Small amount. Mm-hmm. And yet most companies, when they launch a marketing initiative, that's all they're focused on is we need to sell product now, sell, you know, push product, sell product. And in the meantime, 97 to 99% of your audience who fits your ideal customer profile, who is exactly who you need to reach and influence, you're ignoring just because they're not buying at this moment. So that's actually where a majority of your marketing effort needs to be focused is reaching those people, understanding what they care about, crafting messaging that's going to resonate with them, surrounding it with amazing content and success stories and product information that they can access you know, regardless of regardless of where they are in the buy cycle, we want to be putting content in front of them that's going to resonate with them. And so yeah. that's where you need to be. You need to be building awareness and trust. And like I said, like a minute ago, when they enter a buy cycle, whether that's tomorrow or in a week or a year, they already know your name. They have positive associations with it. When they go to Google and they see you alongside nine other companies, they you're the one they click on because they already mm-hmm. know you, right? Or better yet, they pick up the phone and then they call you first. And like that is yeah. marketing. Yeah. That is an awesome way to explain it. I was sitting here <laughs> just getting getting goosebumps because I was like, he is laying it down right here. And it because it is I'm not really. passionate about that at all. No, yeah, I know. This is awesome. <laughs> this is awesome because I love to hear that when when I when I have when you're talking, because the 97%, like you said, or 98 or 99% even, those are the people that you need to reach. And you need to reach them when they're not in buying mode, when they're just, just um, 
uh, consuming content. They're reading, they're learning, there's all kind of things. Yeah. But, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, and you talked about the types of content too, you know, just, oh, it's so good in there. One of the things though, I was going to ask you about how much of your time in the marketing is spent creating uh, what I would say, or Andrew Deutsch, a friend of mine would say voracious advocates for your brand once they bought from you. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, honestly, probably not enough time, but it, yeah. I, I think it's, it's a, probably an underutilized strategy. Everybody's focused on new customer acquisition, um, yeah. which, which of course is super important. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think for a lot of companies, it's, it's probably, frankly, a missed opportunity. I mean, a lot of, a lot of our clients, you know, they, they may work with, you know, some enterprise organization, whether it's, you know, automotive manufacturer or some big pharmaceutical company or whoever and, and oil and gas, and they, they may be working with, with one plant. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever on in the Southeast U S and there's 10 other plants and they all operate kind of like separate companies but mm-hmm. when you're inside the organization, like that's you already have a shoe in the door there and you can leverage that to probably show other, you know, in maybe an account based marketing way, show other, um, you know, people with the same job roles that you're working with there. What is happening? What kind of impact you're having there? Because, you know, there's you already have built in credibility when you're working with somebody inside the company. So I think there's that. I think there's a missed nurturing play. Probably a lot of you listening have an email list of anywhere from two to 20,000 people. And probably the way a lot of you use it is when you're going to a trade show, you send out an email that says, we're going to be at booth, you know, 67 next week, make sure you stop by. And, um, but email is a really, is an underutilized platform for um, what I'd describe as content distribution. If you're publishing amazing content in your blog, maybe for SEO purposes, you're using it in, in social channels Maybe you got a paid social media like distribution strategy for your content, but email is low hanging fruit there. Like you have a list of people who already know you probably a a large percentage of them like, and trust you. And as opposed to using it as a vehicle to just, you know, blast out messaging about, you know, we were going to be at this trade show or we have a new product released or, you know, about to be released. Can you use it as a distribution vehicle to get insights out for new content you've published or videos you've recorded and the more segmented you can you can do it, the better. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, that's that's it's it's been one of the best plays we've ever had for ourselves. We've been publishing a newsletter for probably twelve years now. That wow, you know, it goes out every Wednesday at this point. One's going out tomorrow morning. I just hit schedule on it about an hour ago, and I can't tell you how many people over time have said, "Hey, we've been reading your content for the last year or the last three years." One of my best clients that we have, we have more revenue attributed to, to them than anybody, but probably three companies we've ever worked with. Like yeah. those were their words. We've been reading your content for two years. We're in the search for an agency. You're the only ones we're talking to right now. Perfect. Right. Like this is, it, it's, it's, yep. and you can that's, use it that's why your, you do it. Yeah. It, it's, it's right. And, and your existing customers, like it, it, rather than just thinking of it as an, a way to upsell, can you make it just, purely helpful or maybe 95% helpful. And at the bottom, you talk about your product, your new product release or or whatever, but you're creating value every two weeks or at least every month. And it's just making you look smart. It's exposing them to other people on your team who are smart that they don't know yet. 
It's helping them solve problems they have. So, you know, I think that's one, one really good way to use it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's awesome because it is, again, like you said, people will look at some of these, some of these newsletters and read them, maybe not read them all, of course, but they're going to read some of them over years before they make the decision to buy. Yeah. And then you, you've built that kind of friendship relationship, whatever you want to call it over time mm-hmm. and awareness and all that. And you're just in the natural choice. It's yep. not like, it's not like, so I, this brings me to another question, but that natural choice brings it to, I want to ask you this. So have you been, some of the clients that you've worked with, have they, when you're marketing with them for a while, mm-hmm. do they ever remark about the fact that they get people that call them up and act like they know them almost when mm. they, when they, you know, because of the marketing? Cause I, it, it freaked me out the first time it happened. Cause I'm, yeah. I'm not, I've been not been in marketing for lots of years like you yeah. and, and with our own company, it's pretty, it's pretty freaky when people call you up and they act like, you know, you. Yeah. Well, I, I, I certainly got it, get it for myself. And, but, yeah, you know, yeah. and I see why you get it because you put your face on camera and you get out there in the world in front of your audience and you talk and you create content that people want to consume. And I think that's kind of the difference. I think, um, I think doing video is a great, that's a great example of why that matters is because you, like you, you build people, be, you know, they, they become attracted to, they gravitate to your personality and the human element of, of content creation. Um, and I think that's hard to replicate with written content with, with words. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. but when you see a face and you hear a voice and you start to trust that person and, and you feel like they're an expert, then that, that becomes a, a really powerful thing for sure. Yeah, no yeah. doubt, no doubt. So now when you talk about the, we you talked about video a little bit. Mm-hmm. And now, do you think that video is, the power of video is getting diluted because it's, you know, five years ago, we didn't have the live streaming options that we do on LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter, I don't think. And a lot of YouTube, that was it. Do you yeah. think, and then TikTok, of course. So do you yeah. think that the power of video is getting diluted some with the, with the addition to the other channels, or do you think it's just getting it to people that are there anyway? I think it's forcing people to make better content. And I think at all um, marketing channels go through this at some point, you know, like I think about, I've been in this marketing game for 15 years and the thought of a manufacturing organization publishing a blog post 15 years ago was almost unheard of uh-huh. like a blog post. What's a, you know, what, what's that? Like that's, isn't that something that like, you know, my, my cousin does to show pictures of her baby or something, you know, it's, it's, but you know, and, and <laughs> here you are years later and it's like, if you're not publishing expert insights in a learning center on your site, you're, you're probably missing one of the biggest opportunities possible. And, and so what happens is, well, now everybody's more people start doing it and there's more noise out there. And so yes. the, the companies that are actually producing high quality stuff, like you know, the bar just has to get raised. You can't just be doing yeah. it. You have to be doing it way better than everybody else out there who you're competing with because there's, you know, there's only so much mind share you can capture. And, and yeah, so I think, yes, the answer to your question, sure, it's getting diluted, but I think it, it also is just forcing people to, to, to say, I, I can't just make video content. I have to make really good video content. So I'm, I love it when this, this sort of thing starts to happen, frankly, because yeah. it gives you the opportunity to, 
just shine that much more if, 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 if what you have to say is, is really, you know, that, that much more valuable. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It just raises the bar. So you gotta, yeah. you, you have to just get, get higher to stand out better. And you have to be more creative too. Like, you know, I, I've been publishing podcast episodes for two years and it's often in interview format. And like, I'm starting to think about, okay, I've seen a lot more side-by-side videos with a headline above them and captions underneath them in a square format on LinkedIn. I see about 20 times as many of those now that as than I did two years ago when I started my podcast. And so I'm starting to think about like, okay, well, I probably need to start doing something a little bit different here because or it's just gonna be another person doing that same thing. So it yeah. forces you to be creative in addition to just upping the level of of you know quality for your content. Yeah. Yeah, that is it is it's a big deal. And I think that if you're not if you're not if you're doing this and you're not looking at okay, what are we doing next? Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'm going through a big, big upgrade again too. And it's, yeah, it's just, you, you have to keep upgrading the way your show works, the, the podcast, whatever it is that, and the, the value of the, the content you're producing, it's got to get better for sure. Cause, cause they have less time. So the one thing that I was going to ask you, this is a little bit, this may be off. I don't know, but <laughs> in, in marketing now, how critical is the solid CRM behind your manufacturing marketing? I think it's super critical because if you want to do any level of full funnel reporting yep. from first marketing touch point all the way through to revenue and you don't have the software tools to report on that, I mean, you, you can't do it. I mean, yep. it's, so I think, you know, the, the, I see a lot of, well, we're, we're, you know, we've got, we've got Salesforce, we've got a bunch of licenses and this guy uses it a little bit and, and most of our team doesn't. And, um, and, you know, there's no marketing automation software in place to, that's connecting to it or the CRM is not even synced up with the forms on the website. Um, and, and yet I have conversations with leaders of these organizations about like, all right, if we make a marketing investment, I need to understand what the ROI is. And th- those things are, need to be completely interconnected. You can't do, you can't do full funnel reporting. Um, if you don't have a database that shows, shows me this is where this lead originated. This is the content that person consumed. These are the actions Mm -hmm. they took. This is what happens when they, when they came back to the site. Um, and eventually we quoted them at this much and then business closed. And this was the dollar value of that. Like when you, when you have all of that information, all across, um, you know, across your, your entire funnel, you can start to not, you know, not only be able to report on it, but you can start to see trends. You can say, all right, you know, yeah, we, we may have generated 90% of our leads out of organic search or whatever channel. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and if you don't have that connected to your CRM, I mean, you don't see the end where, what that actually led to, then you're probably just going to keep doing more organic search. But the story that you really may, you know, the, the real story there may be that the, the other 10% of your leads are coming through LinkedIn or whatever, some paid social channel. Um, and those are the ones that are converting at 75% versus 2%. And, yeah. and you would never know that if you don't have, you know, if you don't have the, the, the software in place, that's going to help you be able to, to connect those dots. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Oh, yeah, it does. It does complete sense and i'm glad you explained it the way you did because i think that's one of the questions that 
that leaders have is, you know, so now we're going to do this marketing and they're going to talk about a CRM and they probably already have one that they're not using or they're using partially, like you said, and, and to really deploy it and understand and get your, your value from the work you're doing in marketing or sales. I think that CRM is, is one of the key or the foundational pieces that you really need to have in place because sales isn't a one-dimensional thing anymore where I'm going out and talking to a, an individual and doing it. And like you said, you have to know where your, where your business is coming from, where your leads are coming from and which ones are closing and what rates. And so you put your efforts in the right area. Yeah. And it's not just to, you know, a few things here. There's, it's, it's, this is the CRM matters because your executives need to, they want to understand that if we're making a marketing investment, we need to understand what kind of impact is having. And if you don't have that in yeah. place, it's going to be very hard to, uh, to, to make that determination. That's one thing. Second thing is that without that data, you, marketing is not going to be informed enough to know where to double down, what things to stop doing, how to shift around you know, energy. Like we have standing calls with our clients, you know, at least every other week where we are in the CRM with them and there's yeah. a two-way dialogue happening. So we can identify trends. We can say, okay, it looks like these, these leads have been generated through this channel. How do they look? They look great on paper. And the client says, no, these are horrible. And here's why. They, our sales team gets on a call with them. We, you know, we wind up quoting business and uh, and, and it sucks all this time from us. And then they wind up, you know, buying some low margin solution or, or whatever. But over here, these ones, um, this is perfect. And here's why. And we can say, okay, I, I see what's going on there now. And let's, let's go double down on that and do more of that. So that's the second thing. The third thing, um, is w- when your salesperson is not inputting all their information and managing the relationship inside of a CRM, what happens when that salesperson goes and takes another job and walks away with all of that information? And how are you supposed to get the person who's replacing that person up to speed? How are you supposed to pick up that customer relationship where, where it left off when none of those conversations are logged? There are no notes in there. Any documents associated with that relationship aren't logged there. So that's that's kind of another one that I think is is you know, really needs to be considered is just the information loss. If you are not, you know, if you're not, you don't have that central database. That the last point was, was awesome. I'm going to back up to where you talked about lead quality. And I think that is, that is so cool to be able to go, okay. You know, if you, if you got your CRM set up, right. And go, these are leads that came from pay-per-click and they were great or they were not, and you, you can see what they ended up doing or how it ended up playing out those, because there are definitely quality differences in the, the way people are coming. Like you can, sure. some, some, some companies, if you do pay-per-click, you can get a lot of leads, but it's like you said, they're, they're not that great of leads are looking for a low margin product. They're in just boom, boom. They want to go in and out. And you look at some other ways that may take you a little more effort, Mm-hmm. Maybe a little different, like a you know some other kind of platform marketing or content creation that brings you a different lead, but that could be a really good lead. That's a good long-term, high-value customer, yep. and that bit of data is huge because, like you said, if you're working with your clients, as you being being an agency working with your clients, and you can see that you shift your resources into the best, highest-value customers. That's right. That's absolutely right. Here's a here's a quick example on our own website. We ha- there is a page on our website 
it, it's, you know, if, if you Google search marketing for manufacturers or manufacturer marketing or, you know, whatever, things, things related to that, we're going to rank in the top three or four spots for most places. You'll see Gorilla 76 there. It is like, uh, it's an article titled, you know, eight, eight key strategies for 2022 or something like that. I can't remember exactly yeah. how it's phrased. That page, I can attribute hundreds of thousands of dollars of revenue to that page. Three of my very best clients I have ever had, I know originated through a Google, an organic Google search through that page. Last year, I I I kind of I just conducted one of the searches. We kind of hadn't hadn't really been focused on search engine optimization last year. We'd been working on some other strategies. And like, mm-hmm. whoa, we we had fallen to page three or something in in those yeah. those those. So I rewrote it. I I took t- ten hours, you know, on like some Sunday morning slash the next day on, on Monday. And I rewrote that as a 3,000 you know, word article, purely educational in nature. And I built a few internal links to it. And the next week, we're back to ranking like fourth. And all of our organic traffic is back up because I know how important that particular page is. And if I did yeah. not have HubSpot installed as my marketing automation and CRM, I would never have been able to trace uh, you yeah. know those clients back to that particular page where they originated on our site three plus years ago. So yeah, it's what, it's a microcosm of the bigger picture here, but you need to understand what things are actually contributing, not to just lead generation, because frankly, a lot of lead generation that happens out there is a bunch of garbage. It's, yeah. it's generating contacts that either waste your sales team's time or are never going to close. Mm-hmm. You need to understand what leads are you converting that you're actually quoting business for that are buying from you? Yeah. And then you need to identify how can we, what are the common threads that um, we can identify among those types of individuals? And how do we do more of the things that have, have produced those people and nurtured those people and led them through their buying process um, to actually becoming customers? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Leads are not just lead. Quantity is not the, it's a marketing KPI, traffic, yeah. impressions, traffic, leads. These are KPIs that should show you if you are going in the right direction or not. Marketing source pipeline should be your North Star metric. Is marketing producing business that you are quoting with the right people from the right companies? At some point, sales has to be responsible for closing the deal. but um, and, and that's why we kind of hang our hat on marketing source pipeline. Like That should be your marketing awesome. North Star metric. Yeah. That's, that's a great one. Marketing source pipeline. Yep. Yeah, because if you can attribute it back to your marketing efforts and it turns into you know good quoting opportunities and then business, that's that's what you want. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That was so good. I actually forgot my next question. But we'll get <laughs> by that. We'll get by that. So yeah, I'm gonna go back to it because that that this is great. I'm glad we got to talk about this a little bit because sure. you're 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 helping the manufacturing leader here, the owner of the uh, high level executives in a business really understand this better because again, to them, it's about, you know, putting resources in the right place and then understanding, are we getting our, our value from that? Yep. Uh, and, and a lot of these places, quite honestly, even in the, the mid-sized manufacturers don't have huge marketing teams, don't have a lot yeah. of things. Like you said, they have salespeople, mm-hmm. they have sales managers, they have that. And, and a lot of time they're tasked with, you know, looking at the marketing as well or managing the marketing as well. And they don't know that much about it. That's right. So it's it's great to be able to educate them a bit here and, and talk about that. So one of the other things I was thinking about, and I see this a lot, is that some companies still rely on 
one-dimensional marketing. And I mean, they're, they've got an email list, they've got a blog, they've got whatever it is. How important do you think the marketing in multiple forms of content, multiple ways to get it out to people? So, you know, if I'm, if I'm a blog, I'm doing blogs, I need to do videos, I need to hit by my email, I got to do social text, whatever the right way is to get to those people. How important is it to really look at that multifaceted approach compared to I've got a really good email list and I use that? Sure. Yeah, I, you know, that's a complex question, and I but I do have pretty strong opinions about it. I think yeah. that um, I think that you know there there are a lot of variables that play into that, and yeah. the, the probably the two biggest ones are what resources do you have at your disposal to execute first of all, and how does your audience consume information, and 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 understanding that. So, you know, do, talking about the first one. Um, yeah, I, I think I do think a lot of companies make mistakes by thinking, oh, geez, we need to be here and we need to be here and doing this thing and this thing and this thing. They, and they, they don't have enough resources to do any of that well if they try to do it all. And so you wind up thinning yourself out. And so I'm, I'm probably in a, in a lot of cases, I'm a bigger advocate of, of figuring out, you know, how do we who, who are the people we're trying to reach? Who are the people we need to reach and influence and earn the, the, the attention and trust of on our on the end of our audience and the mm -hmm. companies we're, we're trying to, to get in front of um, where do they consume information? And then what is at least one thing we can do really well. And so, you know, a few different pillar platforms that you could, you could, you know, potentially use, you could do a webinar series. You could say, are right, we are going yeah. to do, we are going to do amazing educational webinars, not the ones where we get there on there and show our products and try to sell stuff, but like, teach about the stuff that matters to your audience and we're going to do them once a month or something like you're doing here damon is another great mm -hmm. example of that it's it's more of a, a live you know streaming session a podcast or something like that where um if you can do that really well that becomes something you can then repurpose you can take the video you know, it's a live event and then you record it and you clip out the highlights and you use that stuff and you write blog posts around the highlights and publish them on your website and you can use that content in, in LinkedIn, publish content mm -hmm. there. You could put a paid budget behind it to distribute it in front of the exact people you want to reach with a, uh, you know, on LinkedIn or, or elsewhere. So like that could be one way to look at it is let's pick a pillar where we feel like we've got the right people to do it. Not everybody's going to be, that's going to be right for every company to get on camera and like conduct mm -hmm. live events. It's, it's a, it can be a heavy lift. Um, but you know, another way you could do it is to say our content, um, our content pillar is going to be written content from our, our thought leaders. Like we're going to, we are going to, you know, tap into the brains of these three engineers or technical professionals because yeah. they are the deep SMEs and yeah. either, you know, I, I don't know a lot of engineers that love to write blog content. So yeah, exactly. a lot of times it's, 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 you know, whether you're using an agency or a consultant or a freelance writer, or you know, somebody has got to be quarterbacking the strategy of it. Mm -hmm. But you know, we always talk about like marketers need to be the facilitators of content generation. Um, and so if you know who the SMEs are inside your company that can address the things that that audience is trying to, that, that matters to that audience, the marketer can be the facilitator to help interview your SMEs, pull, what's out, put, pull the insights out of their brain, write content. Um, and so, so that could be, you know, that could be where you start. And then I think, regardless of, of what you commit to in terms of your content pillar, 
there's always ways to create micro content from that, to break out yeah. pieces of it, use it in social channels, use it for paid distribution. Um, so I, I just think like there's, there's content creation and there's content distribution. And so you make assets for your audience and then you have to distribute them. You have to figure out now, how are we going to get this stuff in front of people? Because I'm, I'm not an advocate of just sitting back and waiting for people to show up and consume yeah. content. Like SEO matters. It's important, but it's a long-term strategy. And a lot of you aren't going to win in the short term on that, if at all. Mm -hmm. So you have to find a, a way to proactively get that stuff in front of the people that you're, you're trying to reach. Email is a vehicle for that. Paid social is a vehicle for that. I and mean, there's a lot yeah. of ways to do it, but. That, that's I, I'm glad I asked the question because you mm -hmm. said a couple things there, you know, create that pillar kind of content, whether what's your deal? Do you like to write? Do you like to do videos? A combination yeah. is webinars and then your dis distribution methods and and breaking it down into little snippets, whatever you got to do, and then mm -hmm. just concentrate on getting it out in front of the right people. So, yeah, there's thanks. a lot of efficiencies that you can sort of deploy there. Um if you've got a 3000 word article you've written, that mm -hmm. thing could, you know, each chapter of that could, you know, get used as, as LinkedIn posts. Yeah. If you put paid budget behind it. You can just turn that. Like I, I take my best performing LinkedIn posts, the ones that, you know, get a hundred likes and 50 comments. And those just become my newsletters. I said, okay, this people responded well to this versus this one. That's kind of flopped. Like clearly this has, this concept is resonating with my audience. So where can I repurpose that? And my every like my newsletter that goes out that will go out tomorrow morning is yeah. is pretty much a copy and paste from a LinkedIn post from a couple of weeks ago that performed well. I made some modifications to it so it fits better in an email format. Mm -hmm. But like, I think that's a, a, probably a missed opportunity to think about how can we repurpose yeah. um, different types of content for different channels, and then the work's mostly done for you already. Yeah. Yeah. That's an awesome idea. I'm just sitting thinking about that. That's great. That's sure. great. Well, Joe, it's it's we could sit here and talk for hours because so much fun talking to you about this and your passion yeah. shows through. And you know, so what you got coming up on the manufacturing executive podcast? People we're talking you're talking to, you're excited about. I know you're excited about everybody because it's just fun talking about it, but what's happening there? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the manufacturing executive um, is it, we're coming up on episode 100 here in, in a couple months. Um, nice. Recorded number 95. And there, I'm always working ahead a little a little bit. But um, yeah, on the show, we, you know, we, we, we have, I bring on a combination of, of um, you know, CEOs and presidents of manufacturing organizations, as well as people who would be helpful to them. I've had, you know, sales mm -hmm. and marketing experts. I've had a lot of people in, you know, industry 4.0 technology and robotics and people who kind of, kind of lend their expertise um, inside of manufacturing. But um, yeah, I'm trying to think of who's, who's slated here on the horizon. I've got Chris Granger coming up soon. If, if you know nice. who Chris is, um, he's uh at Eco, a distribution company, uh, electrical distribution company. He's he. I, I, I'm excited about his episode because Chris is an engineer. Like he comes from an engineering background, and he has found his way into being the content marketer for his company. And he's produced 200 some podcast episodes, wow. tons of video content. Like he is doing exactly what we are advocating for. Um, mm -hmm. But I love that he he his perspective on it because he's not just some marketing guy telling people that, like you got to go do this stuff. He he came from that engineering background and he's he's kind of living that. So 
I'm excited uh, about his episode coming up. Um, I just we just published one a few weeks ago with Jack Nalig, who is the president of Phoenix Contact. Um, Jack talked all about this move to an all electric society on the horizon, sort of being driven by certain forces going on in, in um, you know, our economy right now. Mm-hmm. That was just fascinating to me. And his, his expertise wow. is amazing. So yeah, it's, it, there's always, I, 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 my favorite thing about podcasting honestly has been the like interviewing people who I would otherwise have never had the chance to talk to, who would never want to give me some marketing guy, you know, the, the time of day. And, and you wind up getting half hour, an hour with these really smart people. It's the best market research I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's been a lot of fun, but yeah, you can check out the manufacturing executive.com if, if you're interested. Well, I'm sure we'll, we'll get some people to do that because it is, it is good. I enjoy the guests that you've got on there and, uh, it's been a lot of fun listening to them. Yeah. And, uh, so if people want to reach out to you, LinkedIn's I'm sure a good place, Joel Sullivan, gorilla yep. 76, the manufacturer, the manufacturing executive podcast. Just want to make sure it wasn't say manufacturer. I want to say manufacturing executive podcast. Yep. And uh, any other any other parting thoughts, Joe? Uh, no, I, I I don't think so. I think we we kind of covered a lot here. I think um, I just uh, my my mission I think is to help manufacturers change their perspective on what marketing should be. And shift from this, you know, necessary evil, this expense on the PL to it should be the it should be a, a piece of your revenue engine. It should be the thing that precedes sales to create opportunities with the right people from the right company. And that mindset shift just just really needs to start happening in, in more places. So that's awesome, man. Well, I want to thank you for being here. It's just been a it's just been a ball, Joe. And and uh learning from you man I, I i can tell you're passionate about it first but then you get into the details you really know what you're doing and and look at some of your case studies awesome results there so thanks for being here today man thanks for having me damon it was a pleasure and happy to come back anytime all right well thanks everyone for listening to, to us today if you want to get a hold of joe just reach out on linkedin you can find him there or at gorilla76.com and go from there and we'll be back again later this week thanks everyone